0: Let us open in prayer over the scripture. We're going to cover one passage of text tonight. Uh, if you want to be flipping to chapter 12 of the book of Romans, we're going to be in chapter 12, verse 1. Let's open up in prayer and then we will get started. Lord, I just, I'm in awe of you. Uh, I'm in awe of all that you have done for us, all that you continue to do for us. Uh, Lord, I want to say thank you uh, before we get started in chapter 12 verse 1. I want to say thank you for the last 11 chapters that you've allowed us to, to, to work together through as we've studied from chapter 1 verse 1 all the way through chapter 11. Now here we are in chapter 12. I know many of us probably thought this day would never come. Uh, it has been quite an ordeal, quite a working through, Lord, but I thank You for Your Scripture, and I thank You uh, that You've given us minds that we could think on it, minds that we could learn more about You, uh, hearts that we could feel and understand and be led into worship by the work that You have done on the cross, through Christ, for our ultimate good as believers in that or, Lord, uh, for the church tonight, I, I want to say thank you that you have uh, gathered us here as a body of believers. Uh, that we could worship together, that we could fellowship together, that we could encourage one another. Uh, Lord, particularly now that we are through the the. I guess what I would call the theological portion of the book of Romans, and as we kind of now head into the more practical aspects of how this gospel truth plays out in the lives of Christians, I pray that as a church that the truth of the gospel would continue sanctifying us individually and as a body of believers, that we would grow more and more uh, in unity, that our love for one another, that our uh, desire to use the gifts that You have given each and every one of us. Lord, there is not one among us who have, You have not given a special ability in some way, some passion, some desire that can and will be used in Your church body to grow, to edify, to encourage, to, to spread the fame of Christ. Uh, Lord, I pray that You would help me in the teaching through the rest of the book of Romans, uh, that we would begin to apply these truths in very practical ways to the way that we worship, to the way that we serve, to the way that we live in the world around us, Lord, uh, that we would, by this gospel truth, be solidified in the hope that we have in Christ and that it would have a transforming effect on the way that we do life in general and life together. Uh, Lord, I thank You for Christ and for the cross. It's in Christ's name, and it's for His glory that we do all these things. Amen. Alright, so Romans chapter 12, verse 1. As I kind of alluded to uh, in the prayer there, we have closed out last week a major section of the book of Romans. The first 11 chapters of the book of Romans deal clearly with the gospel as a whole. And it digs in, Paul covers, all the way from the need, which is sin and the problem that fallen man has with sin, to the solution, which is Christ and the cross. The hope that we have in that solution, that it's God, God's work and God's continuing work in us, He will finish the work that He's completed. We know this. Because God's Word has never failed and could never fail. And as we last week just kind of took a moment to rest from the work that we've been putting into this book to spend a little bit of time just uh, with Paul as he closes out the end there. I just want to read that again. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, word of just truth about who God is. So I just want to read it um just to kind of start off with some worship out of God's Word. So, uh, chapter 11, verse 33, O oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments, and how inscrutable His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been His counselor, or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him, and through Him, and to Him, are all things. To him be glory forever. And the church says, amen, amen, and amen to this. And now, we're beginning in chapter 12, verse 1, and we are going to hit the ground with very practical ways that this gospel truth applies in our lives and spreads out to all aspects of the way that we live. And Paul's Shows this very clearly in chapter 12, verse 1. He starts off by saying, I appeal to you, therefore, right? And I want to stop and take a moment here to kind of reflect on this, uh, to point out a couple of different things. Um, and I want to speak first to my preachers and teachers. Are you a preacher? Are you a teacher? Do you teach a class or do you preach God's word in any capacity? Could you raise your hand if you do on any of those? Alright, so um, I'm going to be speaking primarily to you for the first moment as we address the way that Paul kind of opens this up. More specifically, even than all the teachers, I I have a love for my brothers and my preachers here. I want to speak to you guys. Um, God's placed on us a calling that is a, a weighty, 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 weighty calling. And at any point that we can, I feel like, brothers, we got to stick together, encourage one another. I want to say I love y'all. Um, I'm so glad that God's called me as a preacher here. Like, we work together and, and like the camaraderie, the, the way that this whole thing works together it just blows my mind. So, I mean, it, I'm so encouraged to be a part of this body of believers. And, and in anything that I do, I want to be an encouragement to you guys as well. And to the teachers that raise your hand, I want to say thank you for for teaching God's Word. Uh, I saw many of the hands, and I know many of y'all, I've seen your faces since I was here, and I've been here for well over a decade at this point, and I know many of y'all have been teaching in some way, some fashion, all along the way. And I want to say thank you to you for your faithfulness in that. Um, I want to say, teachers, preachers, um when I was talking to Dennis a little bit. Uh, Dennis has been called to preach and, and kind of new. we he and I are kind of, we're both new to this, you know, and there's, there's a lot of things, a lot of places, a lot of pitfalls, a lot of places that the encouragement needs to be kind of ushered in there. And, and I want to be an encouragement to you as well, Dennis. Um, so in this, the one thing that I want to kind of point to, How many chapters are we into Romans now? We've completed 11 chapters. We've completed 11 chapters. Teachers, preachers. We are deep into this book now. And he says what? I appeal to you, therefore... What baggage that Word carries with it. I appeal to you, therefore. I want to be encouraging, and 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 I also want to press in on us, because I think, you know, there's kind of a balance. I love it if y'all come up to me afterwards, you are like, good job, Landon. But if all I ever hear is good job, Landon, then I'm probably going to get full of myself. I'm probably going to think, man, I do this thing so good. Um, can't nobody preach like me if all I ever heard was so God doesn't let us roll like that. He humbles us in just the way that that life goes in general. So I want to press in. And I don't want to be afraid to press in and and I want to encourage at the same time. So um let's see if let's see if we can do that as we as we dig in and, and understand what Paul is saying here. First thing that I want to say is if we were to just jump into chapter twelve, verse three. Having not taken the full weight of the 11 chapters leading up to this point, what value do you think that we could add? Maybe a, maybe a little, maybe none. If we had spent zero time in the lead up, maybe none. Right? If we, if we, if I were to just come to you today, having not spent any time in any of the rest of this book and just dropped down into chapter 12, verse 3, I might could bring some things out to you. Like, I make it tell you some good ways to live life. I make it give you some encouraging things. But my appeal to you would be based a whole lot on me and mine and what concepts I bring to Scripture. And that's potentially dangerous. So, as teachers, as preachers, I think we should be warned against bringing Scripture that we have stumbled upon recently, right? In teaching our classes, if you were a teacher, what kind of preparation are you putting into the teaching that you bring from week to week? What kind of effort there? How are you making your appeal... To the point that you're trying to make. To the point that you're trying to get across. Are you making an appeal that is based off a lot of your opinions and your thoughts on the matter? How does Paul make his appeal? Through the Word. We have spent in preaching 42 to 43 hours on the book of Romans thus far. Do y'all realize that? That if y'all had come, instead of going to your eight-hour jobs, eight-hour-a-day jobs, you had come and listened to me preach, it would have taken a week of full-time days to have gotten to this point. That's just in the preaching. Right? That's just in the what we're doing here. How much... I've told y'all many times as I've been presenting this book that it's been decades in the making, that I've been studying this book primarily as a soul place of my soul's longing, my soul searching, my, Lord, what's life going to be? What's it going to look like? How do? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? For a large portion of the past decade, and now probably even more than that, my focus has been in this book. Forty-three hours-ish. Worth of preaching this for in. How much more, Paul? As he's writing this book, as he's pouring out all that he had learned growing up, and now God's showing him how these things are, are coming to fruition or came to fruition in the work of Christ. And now he's doing this work, he's writing this book out, sending it. And he he appeals with what? with the gospel hope. When he comes here in chapter 12, verse 1, and he says, I appeal to you therefore. What is the therefore referencing? The couple of verses of praise that came right before? Eleven chapters of waiting in to the truth and the hope of the gospel. So preachers, as we preach, let us appeal with the gospel. And y'all know me. If I didn't think you were appealing with the gospel, I would tell you, right? (laughs) So I want to encourage you. Continue pressing in. Teachers, continue pressing. Pressing in. Continue working tirelessly. Make your appeal in everything that you do with the gospel. The hope that we have in the gospel is the only hope that truly changes lives. So if I come to you with jokes and stories and feel good, and I make my appeal with whatever effort I can put in, then I will fall short every time. Teachers, preachers, if we come only with the effort that we can put in, we will fail time and time again. We must make our appeal with the gospel. Our appeal to the souls of the lost and dying our appeal to the souls of those among us who are hurting must be with more than feel-good messages. And it'll be alright. But I don't know why. Let's press in, so that when we're pressed in, so that when they're pressed in upon by the world, by trials, by troubles, by tribulations, that their hope is not in a wavering hope, but their hope is anchored in an appeal that is fixed firmly in the gospel. Paul here starts chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. We're going to stop and we're going to... Consider this. Paul doesn't open the book up and say, I appeal to you therefore strangers who gather together once, twice, maybe three times a week to sing songs that you like or maybe don't like and hear a man stand up and speak. Now he does that for multiple reasons. One, because that's not who we are. Two, because that would take a lot to say in that one little space and brothers, fits perfectly there. There. Why does he? Why does he address us like this? Why does he? Why does he make his appeal to brothers to encourage? Because that's who we are. Do y'all get? Do you get this? Do y'all understand that you are family to one another? Do y'all, Do y'all? Are you? Are you family to one another? Man, you are. Without question, if you are in Christ, the brothers and sisters of every other believer here. Are you acting that way? Are you living your lives together in this? Is the gospel playing out in such a way here at Mount Carmel that we are living as brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we? Are we? I want to encourage you. Y'all know this to be true because y'all have family. Family. And if you don't have family, come find me. I'll be, I'll be a brother, or sister. If you're a kid, I'll do my best to be a father in whatever way, man. Like, we're family. And you guys know that family oftentimes is, is ugly, right? Family's not easy, right? Sometimes family's the ones that we're the hardest on. Right? Like, it's the end of the day, and I've had a hard day, and I get home. Where's the easiest place for the outlet to go? Where's the easiest place for my frustration to go? It wouldn't. It, it probably is not going to be my boss where I'm like... And he's like, you could just go home with that kind of attitude, right? I can't <laughs> even say those words. <laughs> you just go home with that attitude. No, I go home and family, because family sticks together, right? It was. I can get by with those things a little bit easier. There, families—it's it's muddy, it's murky, it's work, right? And and this is why I believe that he that he starts in this way. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. And now he doesn't say, "I appeal to you, therefore, brothers," appealing with the gospel, brothers. You are a family by your efforts and by your work and by your kind heartedness and by your goodness and your charity and you are just good people and y'all should always just get along very well, I appeal to you therefore brothers, what does it say? By the mercies of God, you are brothers and sisters, you are family in Christ by What? By God's mercy and God's mercy alone. And you will stay family, brothers and sisters in Christ. How? By God's mercy and His mercy alone. So, I can say things like, you're going to be family and you're going to get along. And I can be comfortable. And now, I will caveat that with if you're a believer in Christ, right? (laughs) If you're not, come to Christ. Become part of this family. Right, but if we're family, we will get along. There will not be one of you here. And this is the this is. Some of you may be like, I don't know so much about that. Find me ten thousand years from now. Find me ten thousand years from now, and you tell me which one of the grudges you still hold. Find me then. Right? How many of you think you will see that person there and be like, I just do not like they rubbed me the wrong way. It's just, you know, I'm going to steer clear of them in Jesus' name. You know, like, how many of you think that that's what's going to be like? in heaven? you are like, oh man, that's that street. I know who lives down there. Jesus built their house a little too close to mine. Is that, like, how, do y'all think it's going to work like that? No. Why is it that we're holding on to it here then? Why is that? It's not going to be that way. Hope in that when, when that person rubs you the wrong way. Cause families, man, it, it does. It gets hard. We're family, right? How, how do you know what family is? How do I know that, that my mom and my dad's my mom and my dad? By the blood. Right? Oh, man. You set me up perfectly, Amy. How do I know? that you are my family by the blood. It is through the blood of Christ, through the mercies of God, that this appeal can be made to us. Family, brothers, sisters, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present Your bodies as a living sacrifice. Can I tell you that you are not dead? Can I can I tell you that? How many of you have ever felt, man? I just I feel feel, it feels dead. Life feels kind of dead right now. Can we be honest? How many of you ever felt like my Christian walk just right now, kind of feeling dead? It feels dead in the water. I want to encourage you. You're not dead. Open your eyes and look around you. Does it look like you're in a box? Does it look like you are underground? You are not dead. You are in fact alive. You are alive. You are living. And the way that you live is important. Do you understand that, believers? Do you understand that the way that we live as Christians is important? That you are in fact living sacrifices. Do you know what it means to be a living sacrifice? Does it mean that you're living and you're headed towards, like, you're that lamb and he's getting let in? No. Okay, so here's the thing. Christ came freely for you. Laid his life down on the cross. This is the gospel hope that we've been appealing to. Took his life again. Breathe life back into lungs that had no breath. This is the God who raises from the dead. So that you would be living sacrifices. He died to give you life. Because before Christ, you were not living anything. You may have been breathing bags of dust, but you were dead in sins and trespasses. And now you are alive in Christ by the mercies of God. Living sacrifices. Living sacrifices, church. So present your bodies. What does it mean? Present your bodies. Present your lives to him. Now are we presenting our lives to him for approval? Are we presenting our lives to him as living sacrifices to finish or complete something that's incomplete? Are we are we presenting our lives to him so that we can be made holy and acceptable? Are we? Are we presenting our lives to God in Christ that we might be holy and acceptable? Or are we holy in Christ? Are we already standing accepted before the Father in Christ? Is this not the truth that we've been digging into for weeks and weeks? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices, not to be made holy, not to be made acceptable, but holy and acceptable to God. Present your lives. You do not present your lives to God as in some way to win His favor or approval. Why do you then present your lives? Why now do you live for Him? And what is this? What do we call this act of living as believers? What is it? Follow through the Scriptures. Let's follow through the Scriptures. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So oftentimes, we block off worship as something that we do when this is going or when the music's going, or when we have words on the screen. Paul is appealing to the Gospel to tell us to live lives. And when we live lives in Christ, what is that? That's worship. When we live freely in Christ, the very act of being in Christ, acknowledging that we are in Christ, is worshiping that we are in Christ. Because you cannot understand what He has done for you, and in the same breath not rejoice in what He has done for you. You cannot be told that you are both holy and accepted before God. Know that to be true, and not be in constant worship. Throughout Scripture, in the worst of trials, the apostles tell us to do what? Rejoice. To find joy. To find hope. And why can we do this? Because even in the depths of the darkest valleys, we are alive in Christ. We are alive in ways that though we may have been healthy when we were younger... And in sin, that we were so dead then in our trespasses. And though now our bodies may be moving ever closer to the grave, we find ourselves more and more and more alive in Christ. And in this, we find ourselves moving closer each and every day to worship in all that we do. In all that we do. Not just when the music cranks up. And the worship doesn't end when the music stops. When we go out into this world and we live our lives in Christ, we live as instruments of worship to Him. Do you know this to be true? Church, this is who we are now. This is who we are. And I say with Paul, like I appeal to you I appeal to you, live your lives in worship before the God who is worthy of your lives. Live your lives in worship for the God who laid His down for you. I appeal to you for the hope that you have in Christ. Live. Live. Don't don't waste your life. On things that you used to do. Live. Live. And in living, find yourself worshiping. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. Lord, as I reflect on the Scripture, as I reflect on all that You have done for us. As I reflect on how You have made us a diverse people from different backgrounds, different ways of life, different financial situations, Lord, different colors, different creeds. You've brought us together as family. Lord, it is by Your mercy that You have done this. And I pray that as a community, of believers, as a family, as a brotherhood of Christians, as followers of Christ, that we would present to you our bodies as living sacrifices. Lord, we know that we're not holy and acceptable because of what we've done. We know that we are holy and acceptable because of what Christ has done for us. Lord, let us give to you our everything in worship. Lord, thank you for Christ. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Christ's name, amen.